chapter twelve of sons of fire by mary elizabeth braddon this librivox recording is in the public domain fate intervenes the return of geoffrey warnock made no essential difference in the lives of the lovers suzette continued her organ practice allan continued his visits to the manor-house and suzette and allan were much oftener mrs warnock's companions than her only son whose restless temper did not allow of his remaining long in any one place and for whom monotony of any kind was intolerable he stayed in london for a week buying horses and having brought home a string of four every one supposed to be matchless he began hunting with the vigour of a man whose appetite for that british sport had been only sharpened by paper chases and polo in the tropics not content with the south serum he travelled up and down the line hunted with the vine from basingstoke and with the h h from winchester he was up and away in the grey november mornings after a seven o'clock breakfast and seldom home in time for an eight o'clock dinner on the days when there was no hunting to be had he flung himself into the delights of the music-room with all the ardour of a musical fanatic and allan and suzette were content to listen in meek astonishment to performances which were far above the drawing-room amateur although marked by certain imperfections and carelessnesses which seemed inevitable in a player whose ardour was too fitful for the drudgery of daily practice these musical days were the bright spots in mrs warnock's existence the chief bond of union between mother and son as if music were the only spell which could hold this volatile spirit within the circle of domestic love i like my mother to accompany me said geoffrey i have played with some prodigious swells but none of them has had her sympathetic touch her instantaneous comprehension of my spontaneities they expected me to be faultily faultless instead of which i play de berrieux as chopin used to play chopin indulging every caprice as to time geoffrey was occasionally present when one of the organ lessons was in progress he was interested but not so much so as to sit still and listen he carried allan off to the billiard-room or the stable before the lesson was half over what a happy little family we are he said laughingly one day as he and allan were strolling stablewards my mother's almost as fond of your fiancee as if she were her daughter your mother is a very amiable woman as well as a gifted woman gifted yes that's the word she is all enthusiasm there have been no spiritualists or supernatural people here lately i suppose no i'm glad of that my poor mother loses her head when that kind of people are in the way she is ready to believe in their nonsense she wants to believe she wants to see visions and to dream dreams she has secluded herself from the world of the living and she would give half her fortune if she could bring the dead into her drawing-room poor dear mother how many weary hours she has spent waiting for materializations that have never materialized 
i have never been able to convince her that all her spiritualistic friends are pretenders and comedians she tells me she knows that some are charlatans but she believes that their theories are based upon eternal truths she rebukes my scepticism with an appeal to the witch of endor i dare not shock her by confessing that i have my doubts even about the witch of endor he had a way of making light of his mother's fancies and eccentricities which had in its gaiety no touch of disrespect gaiety was the chief characteristic of his temperament as it was with suzette he brought a new element of mirthfulness into the life at discombe manor but with this happy temperament there was the drawback of an eager desire for change and movement which disturbed the atmosphere of a house whose chief charm to allan's mind had been its sober quiet its atmosphere of old-world peace allan studied this young man's character closely studied him and thought of him much more than he wanted to think of him and vainly struggled against an uneasy feeling that in every superiority of this new acquaintance there lurked a danger to his own happiness he is handsomer than i am mused allan in one of his despondent moods he has a gayer temper suzette's own temper which sees all things in the happiest light i sit and watch them listen to them and feel myself worlds away from them both and yet if she were free to-morrow he could never love her as i love her there at least i am the superior he has no such power of concentration as i have to his frivolous nature no woman could ever be all in all these despondent moods were luckily not of long duration on suzette's part there had not been the faintest sign of wavering and allan felt ashamed of the jealous fears which fell ever and anon like a black cloud across the sunny prospect of his life however valiantly he might struggle against that lurking jealousy there were occasions upon which he could not master it and his darkest hours were those during which he sat in the music-room at discombe and heard suzette and geoffrey playing the concertant duets for violin and piano it seemed to him as the violinist bent over the pretty dark head to turn a leaf or to explain a passage in the piano score that for these two there was a language which he knew not a language in which mind spoke to mind and perhaps heart to heart who could keep the heart altogether out of the question when that most eloquent of all languages was making its impassioned appeal every long-drawn legato chord upon the strad every delicate diminuendo of the sighing strings the tremulous bow so lightly held in the long lissome fingers sounded like an avowal i love you i love you i love you sobbed the violin how can you care for that dumb senseless brute yonder while i am telling my love in heavenliest sounds and strains that thrill along every nerve and tremble at the door of your heart how can you care for that dumb dog or care how you hurt him by your inconstancy 
possessed by these evil fancies alan started up from his seat in a remote window and began to pace the room in the midst of a de berriot sonata to which suzette had been promoted after a good deal of practice in less brilliant music what's the matter old fellow asked geoffrey noting that impatient promenade was i out of tune no you were only too much in tune how do you mean i don't understand is it likely you can understand me or i you cried alan impetuously you have a language which i have not a sense which is lacking in me you and suzette are in a paradise whose gate i can't open don't think me an envious churlish kind of fellow if i sometimes grudge you your happiness but my dear alan you are fond of music you like listening no i don't i have had too much listening too much of being out of it put on your hat suzette and come for a walk i'm tired to death of your de Berriot. mrs warnock was sitting a little way from the piano reading she looked up wonderingly at this outburst never before had alan been guilty of such rough speech in her presence never before had he spoken with such rude authority to suzette if our music has not the good fortune to please you i would suggest that there are several rooms in this house where you would not hear it said geoffrey laying down his fiddle all the brightness had faded from his countenance leaving it very pale suzette looked from one to the other with an expression of piteous distress the two young men stood looking at each other alan flushed and fiery geoffrey's pallid face fixed and stern with an anger which was stronger than the occasion warranted they were sufficiently alike to make any ill-will between them seem like a brother's quarrel you are very good but i would rather be out of doors are you coming suzette not till i have finished the sonata she answered quietly with a look which reproved his rudeness and then began to play geoffrey took up his fiddle and the performance was resumed as if nothing had happened mrs warnock rose and went to alan will you come for a stroll with me alan she asked taking up the warm indian shawl which lay on a chair near the window it is not too cold for the garden he could not refuse such an invitation as this though it tortured him to leave those two alone at the piano he opened the window wrapped mrs warnock in her shawl and followed her to the lawn alan why were you angry just now she asked why perhaps i had better tell you the truth i am miserable when i see the woman i love interested and enthralled by an art in which your son is a master and of which i know hardly the a b c i ask myself if she can care for a creature so inferior as i am if she can fail to perceive his superiority jealous alan oh i'm so sorry it was i who proposed that they should play duets it was not geoffrey's idea i thought it would encourage suzette to go on practising you don't know the delight a pianist feels in accompanying a violin i think i can imagine it suzette takes very kindly to the concertant practice she has improved so much since i first knew her she has such a talent for music it never occurred to me that you could object 
it never occurred to you that i could be a jealous fool you might just as well say that for no doubt you think it yes i think you are foolish to be jealous suzette is as true as steel and i don't believe geoffrey has the slightest inclination to fall in love with her not at this moment perhaps but who knows what tender feelings those dulcet strains may bring however suzette will be leaving the neighbourhood i hope in a few days leaving us you hope yes my mother has written to invite her to fendyke she is to see the white farm and get acquainted with all our suffolk neighbours who declare themselves dying to see her while i am shooting my father's pheasants you are both going away then i shall miss you sadly you will have geoffrey one day out of six perhaps he will be hunting or shooting all the rest of the week we shall not be away very long i don't suppose general vincent will spare us his daughter for more than a fortnight or three weeks suzette told me nothing about the invitation she has not received the letter yet the post had not come in when she left home i met the postman on my way here and read my letters as i came along de Berriot has been too absorbing to allow of my telling suzette about my mother's letter to me shall we go back unless that sonata is interminable it must have come to an end before now mrs warnock turned immediately she saw Allen's uneasiness and sympathized with him they went back to the music-room where there was only silence suzette had left the piano and had put on her hat and jacket geoffrey was still standing in front of the music-stand turning the leaves of the offending sonata good-bye dear mrs warnock said suzette kissing her friend now alan i am quite ready alan and geoffrey shook hands at parting but not with the usual smiling friendliness how could you be so dreadfully rude alan suzette said with a pained voice as they walked away from the house you were quite hateful i know that i am astounded at my own capacity for hatefulness i shall play no more concertant duets though i have enjoyed them more than anything in the way of music it was only the most advanced pupils at the sacre coeur who ever had accompanying lessons and such happiness never fell to my share i should be very sorry to interfere with your happiness but i think suzette if you cared for me half as much as i care for you you would understand how it hurts me to see you so completely in sympathy with another man and happy with a happiness which i cannot share why should you not share our happiness alan you are fond of music i know fond of music yes but i am not a musician i cannot make music as that young man can i cannot speak to you as he speaks to you in that language which is his and yours and not mine i am standing outside your world i feel myself thrust far off from you while he is so near alan cried suzette with a smile that was a pale shadow of her old sportiveness can you actually be jealous i'm afraid i can jealous about a man who is nothing to me except my dear friend's son you know how fond i am of mrs warnock the only real friend i have made since i left the convent and you ought to understand that i like her son for her sake and i have been pleased to take my part in the music they both love but that is all over now i will not allow myself to be misconstrued by you alan there shall be no more duets 
they were still in mrs warnock's domain in a wooded drive where the leafless branches overarched the way and the scene was lonely enough and sheltered enough to allow of alan taking his sweetheart to his breast and kissing her in a rapture of penitent love my darling forgive me if i did not know the pricelessness of my treasure i should not be so full of unworthy fears we won't stop the duets for ever susy i must get accustomed to the idea of a gifted wife who has many talents which i have not but i hope your musical studies at discombe may be suspended for a month or so when you go home you will find a letter from my mother inviting you to fendyke she is very fond of you already and she wants to know more of you so that you may really be to her the daughter she has been wishing for ever since i was born you will go won't you suzette if the good general will spare you and i think he will are you to be there too yes i am to be there but you shall not see too much of me ours is a shooting county and i shall be expected to be tramping with my gun nearly every day i think you will like vandyke the house is a fine old house and the neighbourhood is pretty after a fashion just as some parts of holland and belgium are pretty sleepy contented prosperous useful he walked home with her and stayed to luncheon so as to secure general vincent's consent upon the spot this was obtained without difficulty the general having had to dispense with his daughter for at least three-fourths of her existence was not dependent upon her for society though he liked to see the bright young face smiling at him across the table at his luncheon and his dinner and he liked to be played to sleep after dinner or to have suzette as a listener when he was in the mood for talking the greater part of his life was spent out of doors hunting shooting fishing golfing so that he could afford to be amiable upon this occasion yes yes suzette accept the invitation by all means the change will do you good lady emily is a most estimable person and it is only right that you should become better acquainted with her i am very fond of her already said suzette then i am really to go alan lady emily suggests saturday three days from now well you are ready i suppose said her father you have the frocks and things that are necessary yes father i think i have frocks enough unless you are dreadfully fashionable in suffolk alan the less said about our fashion the better if you have a stout cloth skirt short enough to keep clear of our mud that is all you need trouble about i suppose i shall be allowed to escort suzette general well yes i don't see any objection to your taking care of her on the journey but i have very lax notions of etiquette i must ask my sister susy will take her maid of course and susy's maid is a regular dragon alan walked homeward with a light step and a light heart the idea of having suzette as a visitor in his own home growing every day nearer and dearer to his parents was rapture no more concertant duets no more long-drawn sobbings and sighings on the stradivarius he would have his sweetheart all to himself to pace the level meadow-paths and saunter by the modest river and loiter and linger by rustic mills and bridges which constable may have painted and in that atmosphere of homely peacefulness he might draw his sweetheart closer to his heart win her more completely than he had won her yet and persuade her to consent to a nearer date for their marriage than that far-off summer of the coming year he counted much on home influences 
on his mother's warm-hearted affection for the newly adopted daughter a telegram sir said the servant who opened the door startling him from a happy day-dream it came nearly an hour ago allan tore open the envelope and glanced carelessly at the message expecting some trivial communication your father is dangerously ill come at once i am writing to postpone miss vincent's visit emily carew End of chapter twelve